بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين All praise and thanks belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and may the peace and blessing of Allah be upon his servant and final messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam As to what follows my dear respected brothers in Islam Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh uh, last week uh, we concluded uh, by mentioning how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exalts the Qur'an and he brings up the status of the Qur'an by saying and this uh, was a response uh, to what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had done which is that he would go to Quraysh and present to them the Qur'an and present to them the da'wah and so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He reprimands His Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, and He tells him, Kalla, no, don't do this again. Don't go to them and give them this message. And we gave the example of the salesman that goes up to a customer. He's the one that looks more desperate. He's the one that looks lower in the eye of the customer when the customer doesn't want to buy what the salesman is selling. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbids the Prophet ﷺ to do this ever again. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, exalts the Qur'an again. He gives us the idea of the Qur'an and how pure this Qur'an is, how exalted it is, uh, what type of status it is, what type of status it holds. Now, this message, it doesn't go to them. If they want this message, they're just lucky enough to hear it. They're lucky enough to hear this message. So if they want a reminder, if they want to remind themselves, if they want to purify themselves, then next time the way it should be done, they come to you. <laughs> Whoever wills, then let him remember. Let him take this Qur'an as a reminder for him. So let him come to you and let him seek the remembrance. Uh, but as for you going to them, that shall never happen again. So this is a reply of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to his messenger, ensuring him that if they don't want to believe, they're the ones in loss. And keep in mind that when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam would go to them, it wasn't, it's not similar to the example that we gave of the salesman and the customer. This was a bit different. Because when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam would go, it's because he's concerned about them. It's because of his concern about humanity. That was the Prophet ﷺ, so much so that Allah, He describes him in the Qur'an, He says, Allah describes the Messenger ﷺ, He says, it's almost, it's as if you're going to kill yourself out of grief, out of sadness, if they don't believe in this message, if they don't believe in this revelation. You know, even so much in the case of the, of the munafiqoon, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to his messenger, استغفر لهم أو لا تستغفر لهم إن تستغفر لهم سبعين مرة فلن يغفر الله لهم. This is amazing, subhanallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you know, seek forgiveness for the hypocrites. Or don't seek forgiveness for them. If you seek forgiveness for them 70 times, Allah will not forgive them. 
And then you know what the Prophet says? He says, I'll seek forgiveness for them more than 70 times. Subhanallah, this is his concern he had for humanity. This is the concern sallallahu alayhi wasallam had for humanity. So that's why he'd go around to Quraysh and to present to them the da'wah. This is the difference between the example I gave and, and the, yani, the actual reality of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and what he had in intention when he would go out to Kuffar Quraysh and give them <coughs> this da'wah. Now after giving the upper hand to the message and after elevating its status, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, that this Qur'an is in suhuf, and we said suhuf are scrolls, are sheets, and because the Qur'an now is written, and it's engraved in scrolls and in sheets, and here it's referring to Allah al-Mahfuz, it becomes automatically now mukarrama. It's honored, because it's in those sheets. And this we take a great lesson from, is that if the Qur'an is written on any piece of paper, on any book, then this, this book, this paper automatically becomes honored because it has Qur'an in it. You know, it's, uh, uh, in, uh, it's as opposed to what we see today in Islamic schools or Islamic universities, sometimes in, in the overseas, where they'll study, uh, there's, uh, like they'll have a, uh, notes, and you go study for that in the exam, and the exam has got verses in the Qur'an, a hadith, and after the exam, it's, it's thrown away. It's either on the floor, it's either on the balcony, it's either in the class, on the floor, wherever it is. This is not honoring the Qur'an. This we learn a lesson from this, any ayah that's written on a paper, or written in a, in a book, then this page becomes honored, because it holds Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's word. في صحف مكرمة مرفوعة it's exalted, it's lifted, it's not, it's not here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed in the lawh al-mahfuz. Fi suhufin mukarrama marfu'atin. And then it's mutahara, it's purified. It's purified. And then who holds this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, bi'aydi safara. It's in the hands of angels, basically. That's a safara on the most, yani, strongest opinion. Well, a safara also has the opinion of it being the companions, alayhim salatu oh sorry, radiallahu anhum. This could also be a safara, could be referring to the companions. And a third saying is referring to the people that hold the Qur'an in itself, people that memorize it, people that uh, take care of the Qur'an and it's, uh, reflect upon it, and yani, uh, basically implement what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches them. This is all referred to as a safara. But the most strongest opinion is that a safara refers to the angels. They're noble and they're righteous. So this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honors the Qur'an. After he gives it the upper hand, now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala returns back to the matter of the human being. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُتِلَ الْإِنسَانِ قُتِلَ الْإِنسَانِ And this is a very sharp and tough scoldering technique in the Arabic language to criticize something or to criticize someone. Qutila al-insan. Which basically qutila he means lu'ina or uzziba. May the human be cursed, may the human be destroyed. And this qutila is mabni lil majhul, which makes it a, a passive, it's in the passive form. And it is a past tense. 
And what that basically means, literally, قُتِلَ الْإِنسَانُ would mean the human being was killed. And that implies that the human being has destroyed himself. Allah is saying, قُتِلَ الْإِنسَانُ You know, such a harsh tone. Why has the human being killed and why is he destroyed and why is Allah cursing him? مَا أَكْفَرَ This is the reason. مَا أَكْفَرَ And مَا أَكْفَرَ He could mean, could be understood in two different ways, depending on how we understand this ma. You know, this is, subhanAllah, this is due to the, to the power of the Arabic language. This ma could either be ma ta'ajjubiyah, which becomes an uslub al-ta'ajjub, which basically means to express shock and amazement at something. So if you're shocked about something, and you're amazed about something, then in the Arabic language, you put a ma at the beginning. You know, you'll say, ma asra'a sayyara. How quick is the car? How amazing the speed of this car. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, ma akfara. Understanding it in this regard would give the meaning of how amazing is disbelief. And akfara from kufr, which means disbelief, and it also means juhud. To deny, to deny the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah is saying, قُتِلَ الْإِنسَانِ May the human be cursed. May he be punished and destroyed. How amazing his disbelief. How amazing his denial. And this ma also could be understood as ma al-istifhamiyah. A question. So if we understand it in that regard, then what the ayah will mean, ma akfara, would mean what made him disbelieve? What made him deny Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's favors? What made him disbelieve in this way? This is how ma akfara is understood. <coughs> but the majority view is that the ma here is ma ta'ajjubiyah. It's the shock and it's the amazement at something. How amazing his disbelief. So the ayah is saying that the human has destroyed himself as a result of his disbelief, as a result of his ungratefulness. And subhanallah, in the previous surah, surah al-Nazi'at, we saw how much belief, disbelief the human can have. We saw how much disbelief a human could get to. That's the example of Fir'aun. فَكَذَّبَ وَعَصَى ثُمَّ أَدْبَرَ يَسْعَى فَحَشَرَ فَنَادَى فَقَالَ أَنَا رَبُّكُمُ الْأَعْلَى So much so that at the end he calls himself God. The Supreme God. رَبُّكُمُ الْأَعْلَى And so this is an example of the worst possible kufr one could commit. And in this surah, in surah Abasa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains how the worst of mankind follow in his footsteps of disbelief and ungratefulness, when the message came to them, just like Fir'aun, what he did, he rejected. Fir'aun, when the message came to him, he rejected it. So, ma'akfara. And Quraysh, the message comes to them through the Prophet ﷺ, the revelation comes to them, it's being recited to them, and they disbelieve. How amazing is disbelief? And subhanAllah, you study it from the point of you know, we said the greatest sign. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
showed Fir'aun through Musa السلام, the greatest sign. And we said that was the stick. He saw the sign and he still disbelieved. How amazing is disbelief? He saw it. And in the case of Quraysh, as well. They saw the greatest sign, which was the Quran being recited to them. And they were convinced, each one of them was equally convinced that this is not the word of the Prophet. This is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But they'll make stories up amongst each other so they can come out with fabrications and so on. So the people won't say, oh, look, Quraysh has been affected. But at the bottom line, they, they acknowledged this wasn't the word of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So they saw the ayat al-kubra and they still rejected and they still believed ma akfara. How amazing! You know, what a shock. How amazing. How, how could you still disbelieve? When you saw the sign, subhanAllah, this is in, yani, in comparing it to the surah before. Now, Allah is telling us the human has been cursed, qutil, due to his kufr, due to his denial, due to his disbelief. Now, what makes the human disbelief? What makes him in denial? You know, what did we share last time? We said that the only thing that will make you disbelieve after you've seen the clear proof, is your arrogance. Is arrogance. There's no other thing. Fir'aun there, innahu taha. He rebelled. And when you rebel, that's a result of istagna. That's as a result of when you're free of need. You don't need anyone. You don't care. And Quraysh as well, amma man istagna. Arrogant as well. This is the arrogant. You know, when you don't care about anything, this carefree lifestyle, you don't want any limits put onto you, no law, you don't want to be told what to say, what to do, you want to do the thing your way, you don't care basically, this is istagna, this is why he's disbelieved, and that's why he's being cursed. And this was the very first sin of Iblis in the paradise. He refused to make sajda because of his arrogance. And so his followers followed in his footstep. And his big followers were the examples of Fir'aun and the examples of the leaders of Quraysh, the very high and elite and prestige of Quraysh. So what actually made them disbelieve after they saw the great sign was actually their arrogance. That's what it is, the arrogance. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now he replies to such an attitude. What arrogance? So Allah now responds to this. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say in the following verse? He says, Min Who does the human being exactly think he is? From what material was he created? Min This is now Allah responding to this arrogance. How do you have arrogance? Just look at what you were created from. Then you'll stop and you won't have arrogance. Now these few ayat that are going to come, they prove to us the reason of this kufr and arrogance. It's due to the human being being heedless in regards to his own creation. Had the human looked carefully 
and pondered deeply over his own creation, he would never disbelieve. He would never disbelieve. I'll share with you why. You don't have to look far. You don't have to look for a sign. You don't have to look all the way far and go and search for a sign. You're a sign in itself. You're enough as a sign. You don't have to go far. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَفِي أَنفُسِكُمْ أَفَلَا تُبْصِرُونَ And in your own self, there is enough of signs. أَفَلَا تُبْصِرُونَ Don't you already see this? You don't have to go far. You're a story in itself. So if the human was to just deeply ponder over his creation, impossible for him to have arrogance, which will lead him to kufr, impossible that he'll get there, which will result in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cursing him and punishing him. You just have to look deeply into yourself. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now brings this issue up. And who's listening obviously? Quraysh. The disbelievers are listening as Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is reciting. So now this is an opportunity for them to reflect. This is an opportunity from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring them back to the truth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Min shay'in Now the human perhaps is thinking, what does that mean? What is Allah talking about? Min shay'in If you're still confused, then the answer comes in the following verse. مِن نُطْفَةٍ خَلَقَهُ فَقَدَّرَهُ He created you from that filthy, from that dirty, that worthless fluid. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls this fluid, this sperm that we know, He calls it مَاءٍ مَهِين 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 means worthless. You know, مَهِين in the Arabic language means something that's weak. Something that's susceptible to damage. Something that's easily attacked. And it's easily killed. Allah describes this semen from which we are created as this weak, fragile thing. And subhanAllah, we see in the study of biology, you know, millions and millions of sperm cells enter the woman. And one might survive. Out of the millions, one might survive, might have a chance to survive. And so many die. Why? Because it's maheen. It's weak in its nature. That's what you are. That same fluid that you're embarrassed to walk around with. You wash it away from your clothes. You'll change your clothes because of it. Subhanallah. What type of arrogance is this? The human that, he, he, where does he get his arrogance from? If that's his beginning. It is only out of that, it is only out of this nutfa that he created you. Nothing else. And this min nutfa, it, it suggests this meaning that it is only nothing else, only from this cell, this sperm cell. That's all. Subhanallah, what you were, what have you become? Min nutfatin khalaqahu. Then Allah adds a very interesting word. He says, فَقَدَّرَ This is an interesting word. This فَقَدَّرَ It comes from تَقْدِير And تَقْدِير The Qadr basically. This is part of our Aqeedah. We believe in the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what فَقَدَّرَ actually means It's to make a projection To make a projection 
based on extreme precise calculation. That's taqdeer, precise calculation. So now when you understand this meaning, let's implement this meaning. What does actually qaddarah mean? What is your gender? What you look like? Your skin color? Your eye color? Your hair color? What you'll eat? When you'll eat it? What work you'll have? What job you'll have? What's your income? You'll change jobs, you won't change jobs. You'll get married to who? Your children, how many sons, how many daughters? What language you'll speak? How smart you are? How long you live? You know? Uh, what sickness you'll get during your life? You'll get better from it, you won't get better. All this goes under the word faqaddara. And all this when you are this nutfa. All this precise calculation when you are a nutfa, when you are a sperm. Allah already calculated all this. You're still nothing. And that was all faqaddara. Min nutfatin khalaqahu faqaddara. Subhanallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, how amazing is that you disbelieve while you were planned out and designed in specific detail and everything you have has been calculated for you. Yet you still have the audacity to disbelieve and to be ungrateful. How amazing. How amazing is this disbelief? And uh, subhanallah, in the, in the surah before, in surah al-Nazi'at, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also put the human being in his place when he said, أَأَنْتُمْ أَشَدُّ خَلْقًا أَمِ السَّمَاءُ بَنَاهَا When Allah said, are you more of a difficult and tougher creation or the skies that we have constructed above you? And here in this surah, surah Abasa, we're being put in our place again. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us of where we came from, from that nutfah, that's what we came from. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala follows up this journey. Min nutfatin khalaqahu faqaddara. Then what happened after this? And basically faqaddarahu means it's all stages and khalaqahu all these stages. Up until now you become a fetus. Now you're ready to be delivered. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, thumma sabila yassara. Then he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, eased the path. He eased the way. And as-sabil has more than this meaning. We'll share with you after I finish uh, giving you the meaning of this. He eased the path especially for him. Subhanallah. Continue this journey of creation. This path. What path here? What is Allah referring to when He says, As-Sabil? He eased the path especially for Him. Now this path, as I said, it has two meanings. The first meaning is that it's referring to the passage through which you came out of, through which you were born, from your mother. Did you open the roadway for yourself to come out? Or it was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You know, subhanAllah, how pathetic is the human? How weak is the human? You couldn't even be born independently. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who opened the road, the roadway for you to come out, the path. As-sabila yassara. 
He made the pathway for you coming out of your mother easy. How could you have arrogance? You know? And how could you deny Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's revelation and the messengers? And how do you go against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's command? When subhanallah, contemplate this, you came out two times from where urine passes. Two times. The first from your father. That's first time you came out. That's where urine passes. That's the first time you came out. And the second time from your mother. Twice you passed through where urine passes. What, where did the arrogance come from? If this is your initial creation. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said, ثُمَّ السَّبِيلَ يَسَّرَهُ السَّبِيلَ here also on the same meaning, it'll mean that He made the path in life of going through the different stages of life easy for Him as well. So at the beginning you're an infant, then you're a toddler, then a crawler, then a walker, then a teenager, and then an adult, and then you go into old age. These different stages are sabid. Allah made it easy for you. Subhanallah, you were like this. Now you've become what you've become. This is Allah made it easy. This is as-sabil ayasara. Now the other meaning, as-sabil carries is sabilul hidayah tariqul hidayah he also this sabil it's talking about the path to guidance allah made the path to guidance easy for you he gave you access to messengers he gave you access to revelation to the most powerful of reminders not only that he placed the fitrah inside of you the, the natural disposition, the predisposed, the human decency, He placed it inside of you. All you need to do is expose this inner light to the outer light, which is the Qur'an, which is the message. And that's it. You get the guidance. Subhanallah, look how easy Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the life. He even made the guidance easy for you. So much so, He placed it in you. He placed it within you. All you have to do is just click it to the outside light. And this is one of the meanings of Nurun ala Nur. Nur of the inside, Nurul Fitra, upon Nur uh, al Wahi, upon the light of revelation. Once that clicks, then that's it. You become decent. You've become a human that abides by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's commandments. So this is what the second meaning of sabil carries in this ayah. So now after making his path easy for him, and the, making the path to this world easy for him, and the path to guidance easy for him, and the growth from one stage to another in your life, all this yassara, all this makes it easy for him, what happens after this? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ثُمَّ أَمَاتَهُ فَأَقْبَرَهُ Then, Allah caused him, the human being, to die. Subhanallah. Again, you are not even in control of your life, and you're not in control of your death. How weak. And مَا أَكْفَرَهُ 
How amazing is your disbelief? You couldn't even control your birth. You couldn't even control your death. Where does arrogance come from? Which arrogance leads to disbelief and then it leads to the curse and the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What have you got yourself into? This is your beginning and this is your end. ثُمَّ أَمَاتَهُ He caused death upon him. فَأَقْبَرَ فَأَقْبَرَ Here, it means he had him placed in the grave, in the earth, after he died. And أَقْبَرَ comes from the word قَبَر. And قَبَر literally means to place something into the earth. Now when you die, whether you're buried properly, whether you're cremated, burnt, whether you're thrown in the oceans, however people dispose of you when you die, eventually, eventually, because we're creatures, we decay. And everything that decays eventually ends up where it ends up in the earth. So eventually the last thing of you, you're going to end in Fa'akbarah. You'll end inside of the earth. That's where you'll end. Yani subhanallah, up until this day, when they search for the remains of previous nations, you know, we don't know about the previous nations that Allah destroyed, that they were buried. Allahu a'lam, if they were buried or not. When Allah destroyed a whole town on its own, you know, their bodies were just lying there, just motionless. They weren't buried. But eventually they got buried. Eventually they got buried. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala buries it? Because Allah says, فَأَقْبَرَهُ He buried. So whichever way you're buried, whichever way people get rid of you after you die, eventually what you're going to end up is inside of the earth. That's where you end up. فَأَقْبَرَهُ And this is what the meaning of فَأَقْبَرَهُ means. فَسُبْحَانَ You are made of this nutfah, of this worthless, dirty fluid. And then you'll turn into this dirt. You know? You'll decay, you'll rot. You'll become عظام النخرة. As we studied in Surah Al-Nazi'at. And both of these things, they're, they're embarrassing to have on your clothes. You tend to wash it. You wash it away from your body, you wash it away from your clothes. Whether it's that fluid, or whether it's the dirt, the soil outside. So subhanallah, what makes you have this arrogance? And يعني, subhanallah, some of the, the salaf would mention that that's your beginning. That was your beginning, something very worthless, something really dirty. And at the end, you're this rotten carcass. You stink, you smell. And in between your life, you carry the, the impurities in your stomach, you know, in your intestines. This is the human. And when you see all this, you see now when we spoke about wafi and fusikum, don't go too far, just look at yourself. Yourself, if you ponder and you, and you reflect upon your own self, that automatically should tell you that where does arrogance come from? If this is you, for the beginning, and that's your end and in between, that's what you carry. Subhanallah, this is what we're learning. Now, something else we learn here that's amazing. And something really to ponder about is the word as-sabil. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ثُمَّ السَّبِيلَ يَسَّرَهُ Then he says, ثُمَّ أَمَاتَهُ Sabil and amatahu. And sabil we took from this meaning your birth, right? And amatahu is your death. So birth and death. 
And there is so much in common. Subhanallah, you know, uh, if for those that are married and have children, if you see your wife delivering the kid, if that happens again and you see it again, then this birth should also remind you of death. Birth and death have so much things in common. I'll share with you a few so you can appreciate this. And subhanAllah to understand why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala quickly puts this together. Doesn't even give us the details in between. You know, it speaks about your birth. And then straight away the ayah that comes after speaks about your death. It's like there's no time. That's how short life is. You're, you're born and then you're automatically dead. And now look at this. Now, we know that it's a sunnah or, or there is a hadith. I don't know if it's authentic or weak. That's not its place to study. But it tells us that we make the adhan in the right e of the baby born. When the ba- baby is born, you make adhan in his right e and then you make iqama in his left e. Again, we're not here to discuss if this is authentic or it's weak. There's a big, يعني, uh, that's a study on its own between the scholars. But let's just ponder over something. How life, how short life is, adhan is made in your e, iqama is made in your e, and when you die, what happens? There's no adhan and there's no iqama. You're just prayed on. You're prayed upon. Because it's still dependent on the first adhan and iqama you heard. So you see how short life is? It's so short that it's just like it's between adhan and the salat. How short that is? How short is that? You know, maybe perhaps some of you came today for fajr, sat and heard the adhan, and then heard the iqama and prayed and it was all over. That's life. Now look at something else. When you are delivered from your mother, you don't know who delivered you. And when you're buried, you don't know who buries you. You don't know. When you, when you come out of your mother, you know, there's the, the receiving blanket, they call it. They take you with the receiving blanket and they wrap you up. When you die, same story. There's no clothes. And now you're shrouded. You're wrapped up. No receiving blanket now, a sending blanket. You're gone. You're going to Yawm Al-Qiyamah now. That's it. That's the next time we see you. Is in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you're born, you're washed and you're cleaned. Just obviously before they give him to the mother. Wash him, they clean him. And also when you die, you're washed and you're cleaned. And the one that washes you when you're born, you don't even know who he is. And the one that washes you when you die, you don't know who he is. Subhanallah, when you were born, you don't know who was happy. You don't know who had a smile on his face. And also when you die, you don't know who was sad and who grieved upon you and over you because you died. In your mother's womb, you were in a dark, tight, gloomy place. And in the grave, you're in a tight, dark, and a gloomy place. These are the the similarities that you could see between birth and death. Subhanallah, this is like a sign we're reminded of. You're, you're, you're born, you're automatically being reminded of your death. Better make the most of this life because your, your death is coming very near. It's very near. What you just went through, you're going to go through again very, very soon. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ثُمَّ إِذَا شَاءَ أَنْشَرَهُ 
then when he wills, when Allah wills, and Sharah, he'll resurrect him. Allah says, then when he wants, not when you want. It is not, it's not in your hands. Nothing was in your hands. Your birth wasn't in your hand. Your death wasn't in your hand. Your resurrection won't be in your hand, of course. When he wills, and Sharah, he'll resurrect you. He'll bring you back up quickly. This Ida, it implies immediacy. So he'll quickly bring you back up. It's not like birth, you know, birth, first uh, there's uh, any fertilization, then you grow, then the stages, then months and, and so on, then you're born, then years and years until you grow. No, no, this resurrection is different. It's not like this. Either quickly, all of a sudden you're up. Just the same way you left, you're up. Either sha'a and shara. Now Allah says either. And I've, I think I've shared with you either and in. Let me just recap on this. Either, and there's another word that's a synonym to this, which is in. Allah doesn't say, ثُمَّ إِنْ شَاءَ أَنْشَرَةً He says, ثُمَّ إِذَا شَاءَ أَنْشَرَةً What's the difference? ثُمَّ إِنْ شَاءَ would mean, then if He wills. If. Then maybe, maybe, no. If Allah doesn't will. There could be that possibility. But when we say, ثُمَّ إِذَا When Allah says, ثُمَّ إِذَا it means when he wills. In other words, it's not a matter of if Allah wants to bring me back or not. It's become a matter of when. Well, it's going to happen, but when is it going to happen? Thumma idha. That's what idha gives us of meaning. Thumma idha sha'a and shara. When he wants, there's a set time for it. And uh, for what? What is this set time? For an-nushur. For when you come out of your grave. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, كَلَّا لَمَّا يَقْضِ مَا أَمَرَهُ Again, Allah says, كَلَّا No, not at all. What's not at all? لَمَّا يَقْضِ مَا أَمَرَهُ This is not at all. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, كَلَّا to. He's saying, no, لَمَّا يَقْضِ مَا أَمَرَهُ Certainly, man has not fulfilled his duty up until now. Up until now, man hasn't fulfilled what he has been commanded with. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Lamma. He doesn't say, Lamma. This gives us a sigh of relief. You know, sort of a mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's saying, still not, hasn't yet fulfilled what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded him with. For after all these reminders, man still has not fulfilled what was commanded of him. But he still has hope. So Allah says, He still hasn't fulfilled what Allah commanded him with. This is a powerful reminder for us. This Allah is reminding us in this ayah, this serves as a great and a powerful reminder. Subhanallah, meaning better, better get your act together. And... Fulfill Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's command before it's too late. Allah is saying, You still haven't fulfilled Allah's commandment. You still haven't fulfilled it. So now, if all this reminder wasn't good enough for you, and reflecting upon your own creation wasn't good enough for you, then now, let me give you another reminder. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, now gives us another reminder. Something you depend on day and night for your survival. Maybe this could serve as a reminder now. So what is this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلْيَنْظُرِ الْإِنسَانُ إِلَىٰ طَعَامِهِ 
then let mankind, let the human, stare carefully at your food. You know, another yanvur is different to yara. Yara is to see. But yanvur, another, is to stare carefully at something in detail. Think about it. Ponder over it before you eat. Just stare at the food. You know, just like when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about Musa, when he pulled his hand out, he says, للناظرين. It was white, and nazirin people were just staring at it. Because, you know, bright light, you'll make you stare. Give you this, this stare, you'll stare at it. So Allah says, فَلْيَنظُرِ الْإِنسَانِ Let mankind, let the humans stare at his food. Why stare at this food? To remind the human that he has responsibilities, he still hasn't fulfilled. That, that's how the ayat are linked. You have responsibilities to fulfill. Now stare at your food, and this food should help you gain energy so you can now what? Perform what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded you. Because if you don't eat, you don't survive. But you eat, you get energy then you're able to fulfill Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's commandments. So this is فَلْيَنْظُرِ الْإِنسَانُ إِلَىٰ طَعَامِهِ And subhanallah, the first food you have to stare at is next time if Allah blesses you, uh, for those that are married, He blesses you with a child, before you cut that cord, stare at it. That was your food. That was the first source of food for you. فَلْيَنْظُرِ الْإِنسَانُ إِلَىٰ طَعَامِهِ And the first source of nourishment for you was that cord, that umbilical cord. That was your food, you know? Subhanallah. You, even you, you cut it and you're, you're standing back and going away from it. And this was your food. And you're being disgusted from it. فَلْيَنْظُرِ الْإِنسَانُ إِلَىٰ طَعَامِهِ This is the beginning of the food that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala invites us to ponder over, to stare upon. And then... Everything else after this that follows, then because ta'ami, ta'am is different to akal. Akal, you might have heard the word akal, al-ukul. Akal is any type of food, you know, most likely it's for an animal. But ta'am is food which is more suitable and most suitable for human beings. That's the difference between ta'am and akal. So here Allah is saying, فَلْيَنْظُرِ الْإِنسَانُ إِلَىٰ طَعَامِ Stay carefully at this food Allah has given you. Food that is special and suitable for you that you eat. Stare at it. Then Allah says, gives you the journey of this food now. Where does this food come from? We pour down water from the clouds. And this sub means water upon water upon water upon water. Abundant, profuse amount of water coming from the clouds. And in another qira'ah there's inna sababna al-ma'a We only, no one else. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who sent down, poured down these buckets and buckets of water. Again being reminded of the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us. So the water comes down. Then what happens? ثُمَّ شَقَقْنَا الْأَرْضَ Then we ripped open the earth. Ripped open. This shakakna, this verb is amazing, this shakakna. 
Because this verb is used only when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about things that are not commonly or not normally ripped. You know, a paper you rip, clothes maybe you rip, skin maybe you tear skin, you rip the skin. But the earth, how does that tear? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses this verb. The verb shaqaqna only comes for things that are not normally ripped. So for example, when the sky gets ripped, Allah uses the verb shaqaqna. Same thing for the rock. The rocks are not something that are cut open and torn. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Some of the rocks are torn open. and They're literally cut and they're ripped open and water comes out. Subhanallah, when we get that in Surah Al-Baqarah, we'll explain the beauty of this ayah. But up until for now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ثُمَّ شَقَقْنَا الْأَرْضَ And there's something really amazing here to, to ponder. You know, think of this great sign of this shak, of this earth splitting, ripping open. What rips it open? A fragile plant. A fragile plant. A weak plant. If you were to just put water on it, you know, high pressure, you will probably fly. It'll, you'll, uh, the roots will come out and it will fly. And this same fragile plant is what's ripping the earth. This, who, who makes this possible? It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who made for this plant the path to come out very easily. You know, even, even look at this. Sometimes you see it outside. You go on the, on the footpath, and you'll see like there's this massive tree that's come out and the cement that's around it is all cracked. The cement that's cracked. You know? SubhanAllah, sometimes your driveway, go look at your driveway. You know, you'll, you'll find shrubbery from here, you'll find a bit of grass coming out through the cement. Where's this come out from? Where did this come from? This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, ثُمَّ We... We split this earth. And as a result, this came out. After what? First the water came down in profuse amount, in large amounts, buckets over buckets upon water, water, water. This is the word sababna. You know, sababna, this, this bat that repeats itself in the, in the word, they suggests this over and over. You know, just like you say, whistle. This is the, in the phonics of the Arabic language. When you say whistle. So that was, was, and that's when people whisper, that's what it is. And either zulzilat, zalzala, when something shakes, the way you say it, it sounds like something shaking anyway. Zalzala. And this is the shaking, the, the twice it recurs, this is, this is part of the, the amazing, uh, yani profound miracle in the Quran, we find this. That words, sometimes, just by listening to it, you can understand its meaning. Sababna poured buckets and buckets of water, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, shaqaqna al-arda shaqqa. He split this, he cut open this earth, and then this, what came out? What's what came out? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now, he tells us, he says, you said subhanallah, in, in the surah before, just to connect the surah together, in surah al-nazi'at, there was no detail about what came out of the earth. Allah just says, wal-arda ba'da thalika dahaha, that he rolled out and made the land smooth, then the water came out, right? And that referred to the rivers and the lakes and the oceans and so on. 
And the pasture land, you know, the green land, the grassland, you know, the grazing land. Now here it's in detail. What exactly came out of this land? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us here. He says, فَأَنْبَتْنَا فِيهَا حَبَّةً When he ripped it open, as a result, حَبَّةً came out. That's the first thing. حَبَّةً And حَبَّةً refers to all sorts of grain. So that's the wheat, the corn, the rice, everything. And there are some translations that translate حَبَّةً as corn. But this in the, in the old English, corn meant grain. It should be updated in the translations. So when, when you read corn in the translation, that actually is referring to all types of grains. But because uh, the time went by and, and no one updated this in the, in the translation, so you might have maybe be confused. So understand that أَنْبَتْنَا فِيهَا حَبَّةً حَبَّةً means in what we understand now, grain. And back then they used to understand corn as, as being the grain. But now our understanding is that grain is all these types of, uh, of grain. يعني, for, so wheat, corn, rice, and so on. فَأَنْبَتْنَا فِيهَا حَبَّةً وَعِنَبًا And عِنَب is known, the grapes. وَقَضْبًا And قَضْبًا is the vegetation that grows under the earth. Like the carrots, the onions, and so on. So يعني, the, the قَضْبًا is what the animal eats from the top and what the humans take from the bottom and enjoy. Right? Just like the carrots and so on. فَأَنْبَتْنَا فِيهَا حَبَّةً وَعِنَبًا وَقَضْبًا Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَزَيْتُونًا وَنَخْلًا So we're moving from the very essentials, the most essential of foods, to more exotic foods, to more delicious and luxurious fruits, you could say. So first the essentials, which is the habba, the grains, then عِنَبًا وَقَضْبًا Now we're moving into زَيْتُونًا which is the olives, and نَخْلًا which is the palm tree, the dates. And this is something very known in the Arab life, in the desert life. You know, Zaytun and Wanakhla. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wahada'iqa ghulba. And gardens. Gardens, you know, well-guarded gardens. That's hada'iqa. And ghulba means lots of thick, full trees. You know, whose branches are all intertwined together. Lush gardens. This is what ghulba means. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَفَاكِهَةً وَأَبَّا And also, what came out of this earth was فَاكِهَةً فَاكِهَةً means a delicious fruit. And فَاكِهَةً, you might know as fruit, but where did it come from or what it's meaning? فَاكِهَةً comes from the word فَاكِهَةً And فَاكِهَةً linguistically means to be overjoyed. And how does this relate to فَاكِهَةً being fruit? Because when you eat a fruit, then what? You're overjoyed, you know? Like they have on the TV ads when he, when he eats a delicious apple, he's got a smile on his face. You know, he enjoys it. That's fakihatan, and its root comes from fakihah, and fakihah means to be overjoyed in something, to be happy about something. So fakihah got its word, got its name from that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَفَاكِهَةً You see how it moved from the most essential to the most luxurious of fruits up until it ended with fakihatan. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And abba, here, it means the fruit and the vegetable that's consumed by animals. So fakiha, it's for the humans. And abba is the sort of food, the fruit, the vegetable sort of thing for the animals. For the animals. 
And subhanAllah, just something here, some of the ulama would say that عِنَبًا, uh, the grapes, زَيْتُونًا وَنَخْلًا, the olives and the dates, they're not fruits. Because Allah mentioned وَفَاكِهَةً and He excluded them out of فَاكِهَةً. So this, يعني, Allahu alam, this refers to, يعني, uh, this could probably explain why they were excluded from فَاكِهَةً. So they took this as understanding that the inab is not a fruit. Allahu alam, يعني, uh, where that يعني, leads to. طيب. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَتَاعًا لَكُمْ وَلِأَنْعَامِكُمْ And just to move, inshallah, to finish this surah, I already explained مَتَاعًا لَكُمْ وَلِأَنْعَامِكُمْ in the previous surah that came with us. Uh, we said mata' is a provision. doesn't mean enjoyment. We said provision. And mata' basically we said it's a tool. Something that you use, uh, not necessarily to enjoy, rather Allah, what Allah gives you now, whether it's food, whether it's a tool you use, anything Allah gives you, the first, very first intention of it is that it brings you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How is it going to bring you closer to Allah? So Allah says, mata'an lakum wa li'an'amikum. And something else to, to ponder over this subhanallah, eight different things were mentioned. Habba, inaban, wa qadba, wa zaytunan, wa nakhla, wa hadaiqa, gulba, wa fakatan, wa abba. Eight different things coming out from the same ground, same earth, same water. Same water and same earth. And you have eight different things coming out but that I mentioned. That subhanallah again is a sign in itself. Is a great sign in itself for those who ponder. You know, you'll put a tomato seed that looks exactly like a cucumber seed right next to each other. This will grow cucumber, this will grow tomatoes. Subhanallah. This is the miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This only points to the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah says, Mata'an lakum anamikum. Now just to see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala how he helps the human incline to Islam through the passages of this surah so far. So at the beginning, there was sort of this negative approach when Allah said, الْإِنسَانُ مَا أَكْفَرَهُ You know, may the human be cursed. How amazing is his disbelief? That's sort, sort of, that's a negative approach. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changed the tone of the surah. He says, No. Not at all. Certainly, he still hasn't yet fulfilled his duty. It changes now. Now it becomes more of a positive approach. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Look at your food. Subhanallah, the idea in this is that all this provision that Allah gave you and your cattle and your animals, so your gratitude should lead you to Islam. Your gratitude of what Allah gave you should automatically lead you to Islam. Not just your reflection over the revelation, not just your reflection over your own self and what you are and what you're created from. The gratitude over the food you enjoy should lead you to Islam. But if still this advice and this doesn't bring you to Islam, then you need an indhar. You need a warning. So this is the final warning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives. And this is the concluding passage of this surah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَإِذَا جَاءَتِ And this is subhanallah right here. Allah is concluding now this surah. If these reminders didn't benefit, then the final warning comes now. The reality comes. 
Allah says, فَإِذَا جَاءَتِ الصَّاخَةِ And in, subhanAllah, this is parallel to the surah before, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, فَإِذَا جَاءَتِ الطَّامَّةُ الْكُبْرَةِ الطَّامَّةُ الْصَاخَةِ So what's the difference? Why was that there? Why was this here? In surah al-A'la, or sorry, in surah al-Nazi'at, the surah before, we learned that Fir'aun, he had arrogance. قَالَ أَنَا رَبُّكُمُ الْأَعْلَى Right? And how did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroy him? He surrounded him with water. And he drowned. He surrounded him. And at-tamma, linguistically, what does it mean? It means a calamity that surrounds you from all sides. So the word choicing, subhanAllah, perfectly, this tamma fit in that surah. Because just before it, we read about Fir'aun, and we learned that he was destroyed by Allah surrounding him with water. And at-tamma means something that surrounds you, a calamity that surrounds you. But there Allah says, al-kubra. He adds the word al-kubra. <coughs> meaning that the tamma that surrounded Fir'aun wasn't kubra. That was just a minor tamma. But there is a bigger tamma that's coming. So Allah says, al-kubra. The bigger the bigger surrounding this bigger calamity is going to come. And now in this surah, in surah Abasa, Allah says, فَإِذَا جَاءَتِ الصَّاخَةِ In this surah, Allah began by mentioning arrogant people. أَمَّا مَنِ istaghna, The one that is free of need. You know, istaghna, Doesn't care. And these people, they took the message casually. And they didn't listen, they didn't listen, oh sorry, they did listen, but they didn't listen. So they would hear, but they actually, it's, that is that they didn't hear. Because they won't implement what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the messenger was reciting, alayhi salatu wasalam. So Allah now says, فَإِذَا جَاءَتِ الصَّاخَةِ And a sakha, literally, linguistically, it means when that screaming sound comes. A sakha is a screaming noise that makes you deaf. That makes you deaf. So Allah is saying, فَإِذَا جَاءَتِ الصَّخَةِ When this deafening calamity comes. The beginning of the surah, it spoke about people that would hear, that would listen to this message, but pay no attention. So now at the end, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's like what, what's being said and alluded in this ayah, you can avoid this message now. You can avoid the sounds of warning of the Qur'an. But you will not be able to flee from the sakha on that day. And a sakha, he is referring to the second blow of breath in the trumpet. So that's why a sakha comes here, because it's talking about the deafening calamity, and it fits perfectly in the surah, because at the beginning it spoke about people that would listen to the message, but will, it's like they're deaf on the message. They wouldn't listen to it. And a tamma would come there because. It came more perfect in the context because of Fir'aun and how Allah destroyed him. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَوْمَ يَفِرُّ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ When this calamity comes and it strikes, this sakha, this deafening calamity comes, what happens as a result? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَفِرُّ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ On that day, especially on that day, man will run away. But not only run away. This yafir, you know, yahrub means to run away. Yafir al-firar means to run away from something that terrifies you. You know, you look outside, you see a dog, and you start running. 
that's firar. Not hurub, that's firar. When you run away from something you're just terrified of, of, that's firar. Allah is saying now, on that day man will run away from something that terrifies him. What is this thing that terrifies him? Subhanallah, look at this. Allah says, min akhi, his brother. Your own blood brother. You're running away from him on that day. You know, when you're in danger now in this life, when you're in danger, and you run towards protection, who do you run towards? Your brother, your father, your family. They protect you. Subhanallah, Allah flips the scenario here, flips the situation. You'll be running out of terror from your family. You know, some, some people have, have big families, you know, many brothers. And um, when they're in danger, they'll go to their brothers, can protect him. But Allah is saying on this day, you'll be running, you'll be running from something that's terrifying you. That thing is your brother. Min akhi. Subhanallah now, the, the ulama have, have commented on this and let me share this with you. Why will you run away from your family on this day? You see, that's the question. Why are you running away from your family on this day? For the scholars have said that the family is the one you have contact with the most. L- listen to this carefully. Perhaps yani, we'll, we'll conclude with this. Maybe if we have time, we'll continue. But we'll see. Yani, as long as we get this uh, ID through. The family is the one you have the contact with the most. You always see them. You're always with them. So if you have more problems in your life, it'll be with them. Because you deal with them more. So the more problems, well, it's going to obviously be from them because you see them more. Now it's easy for me to be nice with someone I just met. And it's not easy to be nice with my brother and my cousin and so on because I always see them. So the people that violate other people's rights happens more in the family. So you have the husband violates the rights of his wife because he sees him always, sees her always. The son violates the rights of his mother. The brother violates the rights of his brother or his sister. That happens. That happens a lot because that's the family. You always see them. So when he sees him on the day of judgment, when he sees him on the day of judgment, you see your brother. You don't think, oh, you know, it's my brother. It's all good. It's family. No, you don't care. You don't care. You're running away from him. Why are you running away? Because now he's coming to you. You're the one that violated his rights. You took from his rights. He's coming, give me back hasanat now. Give me. And because you violated his rights more than anyone else, there's, there's a big paycheck you have to pay. So you run away from him because he's going to take from your hasanat. That's why you're running away from your brother. Subhanallah. This is something serious. Like your brother. How many times do you contact your brothers? Uh, or you ask about him. Is he doing alright? Does he need anything? Is everything alright with him? How's his family? When was the last time you went as a family and visited your brother? Yeah, that never happens after you get married and you're all out of the house. It doesn't happen. So your brother's the most one that's violated when it comes to his rights. For he's the first one that follows you. And he's the first one you're running away from. And why is it important for me to say the first? So we're going to see it as Allah... Brings us the ayat, one after one. So he says, min akhi, that's the first one. Then he says, wa ummihi wa abi. 
Then your mother, this same mother that gave you birth, you're running away from her. And your father as well, the one that took care of you. He might be following you, might be saying, oh, we took care of you, give us something, give us a hasana, give us something from your salaf, something from your sadaqah. You know, we took care of you. You're running away. Now Allah puts ummihi wa abi after akhi because their rights are not violated as much as the brother. See, after you get married, you still see your parents. You still go to them. You still visit them. You're still in contact with them. But as opposed to the brother, no. That's it. The brother, once he's married, once you said it's all over. Well, you don't even know what happens in his life. Nothing. Just really, really regular occasions, rare, rare occasions. Fahiz put first, that's the first one you're running away from. Then ummihi wa abi, because their rights are violated less than the brother. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَصَاحِبَتِهِ And then you'll be running away from your wife. And that's put in the fourth category. Why? Because her rights are not violated as much as the parents. Because she's always with you. So she's always taking her rights from you. You know? But at the same time, there is some violation. That's why you're running away. Because she's going to come and ask for your hasanat. Subhanallah, you're running away from this same woman you shared the bed with for years if not decades. You're running away from her. Subhanallah. This is amazing. You know, what's even more amazing is when the husband dies or when your wife dies and the, and the human is sitting and he's, he's all sad about it and he can't remember. And, and but the next time you're going to see her, you're going to run away from her. You know? So, yani, subhanallah, this is amazing. وَصَاحِبَتِهِ And then the last in the category is وَبَنِي Your children. You'll be running away from your children. Why? Because his rights, they're the least that are violated. You know, your son, you'll do anything for him. You'll do anything for him. And look at the irony. In this world, you have a son, you've got his picture in your phone, uh, you're putting it in your wallet, he's on your computer, and you stick him everywhere. Subhanallah, and in this same son, you're running away from on that day. It's amazing. The one who you would look after, you'd spend your money on, the one who you would, you would you care for, the one you'd care for, thinking they always need you. Now when he needs you and he needs your hasanat, what's happening? You're running away from him. Why is everyone running away from? Look at this. This is the family you're running away from. You know, even so much so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Allahu Akbar. This is amazing. Allah is saying on the day, the breastfeeding woman, she will abandon what she used to breastfeed. Allah says, The language suggests it's like she abandons what she used to breastfeed. She doesn't even know who she used to breastfeed. Allah doesn't say she abandons her child. He says, That thing that used to suckle, I don't know what it is. God just abandon him. That's how much. Because why? Because Allah says, All relations are cut on that day. There is no relation. Everyone do, everyone is concerned for himself. Why is all this running happening? Allah says, On that day, every person, every single person on that day will have a matter to preoccupy himself. Shatnun in the Arabic language means a matter, a affair, 
a situation that is so important to you that keeps you busy. Every person will have something to keep him busy on that day. And what is that thing that keeps you preoccupied and keeps you busy? You can't even turn and face your brother and see someone else. That is your remembering everything you did in this life. That's your shatn. You're preoccupied in what you did in this world. You're remembering what you strived for, what you ran for in this world. What were you running after? That's what's preoccupied you. yughghni. And yughghni means something so important that it preoccupies you and makes you forget everything else. That's sha'nun yughni. Even so much so that yani, when Aisha radiallahu anha asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, are people going to see each other's naked and private parts on that day when we're all standing naked in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So what does Allah subhanahu the Prophet says? This is the answer here. You're already preoccupied with thinking busy of your own self. Thinking about what you did, what you ran in this world for. You don't have this thought now. What am I looking for? Looking at private parts now. This idea doesn't even come in your mind. You're preoccupied in what you did in this world. Subhanallah. It becomes your top priority then. You know, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concludes this surah. He says, inshallah, in just five minutes, inshallah. Is that alright, inshallah? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وُجُوهُ يَوْمَ إِذِمْ مُسْفِرَةً Now this is the concluding passage. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us some faces. وُجُوهُن Not الْوُجُوهُن You know, so that means some faces. Especially on that day. يَوْمَ إِذِمْ مُسْفِرَةً It will be lit, bright. <coughs> As though a smile was veiled up. And now it has been unveiled. This is musfirah. And musfirah comes from the word sifr. And sifr, literally, it means to unveil something. So you know, for example, safar. Safar means what? Travel. Why was it called safar? Because you unveil territory, you unveil land, and you see new land. Also, a safir, the ambassador. The ambassador is called a safir, which comes from sin fa'ra. And this sin fa'ra means to unveil something. So why was the Safir, the ambassador called the Safir? Because he unveils the intention, the intent of the king or of his country. That's, that's his purpose. You know? And Sifr also, Sifr means large volumes of books. Because large volumes of books unveil knowledge. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وُجُوهٌ يَوْمَ إِذٍ مُسْفِرَةٌ Some faces, especially on that day, they will be unveiled, uncovered. So meaning, in this world, maybe they're still covered. What are covered with and uncovered? This becomes apparent when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Bahikatun mustabshirah. What's being unveiled is this smile. Bahika. Not Sorry, not smile, laughing. What's being uncovered is this happiness. So in this world, we're understanding from this ayah, the language in this ayah suggests that these people now, they're probably not smiling. These believers, they're probably not laughing. I'm having a tough time now. You know? The disbelievers are laughing. When they pass by the believers, they make fun at them, they poke fun, they laugh at them. That's happening now. But on that day, something will uncover. And that is Bahikatul Mustabshira. Those very same faces will be Bahika. And Bahika 
is different to tabassum. Tabassum is to smile. Al-dahik is to laugh. Yeah, uncontrollable laughter. You know, you make noise with your laugh and your, your teeth show and so on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing some of these faces. These are the faces of the believers. The uncontrollable laughter on that day. Laughing with all their sound and noise and teeth are showing. And it's not just a smile. Past here. You're going to Jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from these people. So he says, Bahikatun mustabshira. And mustabshira comes from the word istibshar, which means to be full of delight because of good news that comes to you. Istibshar means to be full of delight because of good news that reaches you. And it comes from the word bashara, which means skin, and it also means to peel. So subhanAllah, it's like, what is Allah saying? Bahika mustabshira, it means the sadness has been peeled away from their faces. It's peeled away. And now what is presented? What's, what's presented? Bahikatun mustabshira. Unveiled is the happiness and the joy because of the good news that was given to them. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the other hand. He says, And faces, especially on that day, will have dust upon them. Ghabara. You know, ghabara literally doesn't mean the physical dust that's on them. Although ghabara means dust, but what actually is being meant in this verse is that because of the sadness and the depression therein, their face will become black and dirty so much so it's like there's dust on it. وَوُجُوهٌ يَوْمَئِذٍ عَلَيْهَا غَبَرَةٌ تَرْهَقُهَا قَتَرَةٌ تَرْهَقُهَا means something that covers and climbs over you. Allah is saying this qatara is climbing over them. What's this qatara? Qatara means black smoke that comes as a result of, of basically burning uh, wood. Or you know having a barbecue and you burn the meat and so on and this black smoke comes out. That's qatara. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that this black smoke is going to climb all above them because of their depressing state and their sadness. Also, the, the Arabs, they used to have this sense of humor <coughs> in which a cheap man, they used to call him Aqatir. Aqatir. Why? Because when he used to invite you to his house, all you'd see is the smoke, you know, and then he would just give you water and something and, and try to get rid of you. Goodbye. So they'd call him a Qatir. Because that's all you see. You'll smell and you'll see the smoke from his oven and so on. But at the end, all he gives you is just some water, something small and goodbye. So he was called a qatir because of the cheap, you know. Allah says, وَلَمْ يَقْتُرُوا The cheap, يعني this is the, the meaning of qatir, it means smoke. Really thick black smoke that comes as a result of something burning. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concludes this surah and he says, أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْكَفَرَةُ الْفَجَرَةُ Those people indeed. Who? The beginning of the surah. Who? Who are they? أَمَّا مَنِ اسْتَغْنَى Those that اسْتَغْنَى Those that didn't care those are humul kafaratul fajara. Al kafara means the worst of disbelievers. They are the worst of disbelievers. Those that rejected the message. Those that didn't care. This whole surah went by, reminder after reminder after reminder. Your food, yourself, what you're created from, didn't benefit you. Man, we reminded you of the big event and the major and the grand event that didn't care. Alright, because you didn't care now. Not al kuffar, al kafara. Kafara, this is exaggerating the disbelief. The worst of disbelievers. 
And subhanAllah, it comes uh, with the rhythm of this surah, you know? Kiramin barara, when Allah spoke about the angels, and now kafara, barara, kafara, you know? It comes in, in opposite to that. So kafara, the worst of disbelievers, and al-fajara means the worst of the deniers. And basically, fajara comes from the word fajara. Fajara means to literally explode. And these people explode in sin. Explode in sin. That's why al-fajr was called al-fajr, because the light, it, it actually just cuts through the night. So it was called al-fajr, the crack of dawn. It just cuts through the night. It was called fajr. So fajr, al-fajara, mean people that just rebel and explode in sin. Have no, no limit whatsoever. You know, sin after sin, in public, in private, whatever it is, they don't care. These are the people, amma man istagna, and this is their jaza, this is their punishment on the day of judgment. That's how their faces will be. Subhanallah. Now, uh, let me just see the, the question that I gave you last week. You can share with us the connection of the beginning of the surah to the end of the surah, and, and that's inshallah what we'll conclude with. Yalla Ahmed. In the beginning, it talks about the two types of people. Amma man istagna, amma man jaaka yasa, Ayyuh. The two faces. Yeah. Ayyuh. Subhanallah. Mashallah. That's good. Anyone else have something else? A lot. There's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, as Allah khair, our brother Ahmed, he mentioned, at the beginning Allah gave us two people, right? Amma man istagna, those that didn't care. And the other one, jaaka yasa, which is Abdullah bin Umm Maktoum, the one that's coming rushing because he fears Allah. So the one that istagna, that's his punishment. And the one that came rushing out of fee, he subhanAllah, out of fee. So basically, he wasn't comfortable in this world. You know, he was sad, he was so on. But on that day, you know, it's, it's, this sadness is peeled off, as we said, Mustabshira, because of the great and the good news that comes to him. So they become. Anyone else? Can give us something. Alright, the beginning of the surah began with what? What's the first word in the surah? Abasa. What's Abasa? Yeah. So Al Abus. What's Al Abus is what? Where's where's that? When when you frown, where you see it on your hand, on your feet, where do you see it? On the face. So it began with an emotion on the face, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the end. He gives us the two types of how faces will really be. What faces will really be. Subhanallah, this amazing, amazing connection. Just before we finish, فَإِذَا جَاءَتِ الصَّاخَةِ أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْكَفَرَةُ الْفَجَرَةِ When does all this happen? When will these faces be gloomy and dark? When? إِذَا الشَّمْسُ كُوِّرَةِ The surah that's after, that's the connection. The day... إِذَا الشَّمْسُ كُوِّرَتْ So you say, أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْكَفَرَةُ الْفَجَرَةِ When are they الْكَفَرَةُ الْفَجَرَةِ إِذَا الشَّمْسُ كُوِّرَتْ When the sun is wrapped up, it loses its light, and it's thrown away. And this, subhanAllah, Surah Al-Takweer, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, whoever wants to see the Day of Judgment unfold right in front of his eyes, then let him read Surah إِذَا الشَّمْسُ كُوِّرَتْ And إِذَا السَّمَاءُ فَطَرَتْ The one after it. Inshallah ta'ala, that'll be our next lesson. We'll share with you these suwar. And subhanAllah, it's like you see Yawm Al-Qiyamah unveil in front of you.
We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us people of the Qur'an, uh, people who benefit from the reminders of the Qur'an. إِنَّهُ وَلِيُّ ذَلِكَ وَالْقَادِرُ عَلَيْهِ وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ وَسَلَّمَ وَبَارَكَ عَلَى نَبِيِّنَا مُحَمَّدْ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ